This episode is brought to you by Levitt Pavilion. This summer, check out one of my favorite outdoor concert venues in Denver, Levitt Pavilion. May through October, Levitt is offering ticketed and totally free all-ages concerts. I feel like we just go to anything that's free because it's like the kids can be at the show and it's people aren't weird about it and you can like bring a picnic. It's awesome. Some of the free shows this season include Iskali, Melvin Seals, War and Treaty, Sunny War, Chali Tuna, and more. To RSVP for free shows and buy tickets, plus see the full concert schedule, go to levittdenver.org. That's levittdenver.org. Today on CityCast Denver. The Republican Party of Colorado is on a big losing streak. They haven't won a major statewide race since Cory Gardner was elected to the Senate in 2014. So will they ever be able to come back from this? Or will Colorado just keep getting more blue? The Colorado GOP is electing a new state chair this Saturday, whose main job will be to turn this thing around. So I wanted to hear from one of the last Republicans to run a successful campaign here. Dick Wadhams is a longtime party leader, and he's got a prediction for where the party is going next. Today is Wednesday, March 8th. I'm Bree Davies, and here's what Denver's talking about. Dick Wadhams, welcome to CityCast Denver. Thank you for having me. Dick, what is wrong with the GOP in Colorado right now? <laughs> well, <laughs> boy, uh, where do I start? Um, of course, the last... Um, three election cycles, 2018, 2020, and 2022, Republicans had very bad years, and Democrats swept all the statewide offices in the 2018-2022 statewide elections. In 2020, uh, uh, Donald Trump was uh, beaten by Joe Biden by 14 points in Colorado, and that uh, helped take down uh, Cory Gardner, uh, the incumbent U.S. senator. So the last three election cycles have seen uh, some heavy defeats for Republicans, I think, because of the drag of uh, Donald Trump. Now, let me stress, I voted for Trump twice. I like what he accomplished in terms of judicial nominations, tax cuts, uh, border policies. Uh, I think what he did on COVID was amazing. I could go on. But having said that, his behavior after the 2020 presidential election, in terms of immediately saying, the election was stolen, and they're still to almost two and a half years later. There is no evidence of that. Uh, his uh, behavior on the January 6th, which was reprehensible, it, it, he squandered all the, the good things that I think he did as president. And um, I think that his um, uh, Republicans have suffered greatly because of that behavior. And it is uh, it has imposed a stench on Republican on the Republican Party and Republican candidates that has been, um, that really revealed itself this last election. So I think in, in the aftermath of that, uh, a great deal, uh, I would say a third of Republican voters, and um, frankly, a majority of Republican activists in Colorado, actually are staying very loyal to Donald Trump. They believe the election conspiracies. They have, they do not think that Donald Trump uh, had any, any uh, negative impact on Republican candidates. And in fact, uh, they think that some Republican candidates, I've heard this from several uh, MAGA uh, activists, 
that Cory Gardner would have won if he had just campaigned more like Trump. So that's the uh, the argument going on in the party right now. So that's exactly why I wanted to talk to you was this vote on March 11th for the new Colorado Republican Party state chair. Mm -hmm. And the winner of that is going to be responsible for leading the party out of some of these these big losses recently. Mm -hmm. But when you look at the six contenders for that chair right now, what do you see? This election for state chairman, which is on March 11th, is the first time the party really uh, has some kind of an event or a meeting that uh, will reveal this debate within the party uh, as we uh, elect a new state chairman and vice chairman and secretary. I see six people who, uh, to one degree or another, uh, believe in the election conspiracies that uh, Donald Trump was denied, was, uh, have the election stolen from him in 2020. I see six people who um, all want to eliminate unaffiliated voters from uh, being able to cast votes in the Democratic or Republican primary as they choose. And I see such people who want to return to Election Day precinct voting, which is we are way past that uh, debate. Uh, but they want to do that, even though 80 percent of the electorate proactively wanted to vote permanent absentee before we passed voting. All those three those three issues are just out of touch with Colorado today. People like getting the, the, the mail ballot. Unaffiliated voters have now voted in, in, in primaries for three consecutive elections, ripping that away from them. Uh, especially if it's initiated by Republicans, will send a pretty clear message to unaffiliated voters. We don't want you around. So unaffiliated voters, you brought them up. They make up almost 50 percent of Colorado voters, right? We're looking yes. at 47 percent as unaffiliated, which yes. in a primary means you you get both. You can get both uh, primary ballots. Yes. And, and so the folks that are running for this office right now are all are running for this position, I'm sorry, right now are saying we we don't we want to do away with those people having the ability to vote. Yes. Um, is there was there would there be some better outcome where the GOP could connect with those unaffiliated voters that isn't you aren't seeing right now in these contenders? Well, right now, the background on the unaffiliated voters, I mean, you know, for decades, Colorado was a third, a third, a third. Those numbers would fluctuate a little bit, but they'd always kind of settle back into a third Democrat, third Republican, third unaffiliated. That started changing when we entered into the entered the, dec, the the decade starting with 2011, and we started having this massive influx of people moving here. Many of whom were younger, more liberal, frankly. And obviously, the numbers are pretty clear. If a Republican cannot win a big chunk of the unaffiliated voters, we can't win. Now, by the way, that that's the way it was for decades. And I kind of know that up front uh, personally because I ran a bunch of campaigns during uh, and um, and I know that um, the campaigns I ran where we won, we we specifically tailored our campaign to not only win in a primary, but win in a general election by appealing to unaffiliated. Governor Bill Owens, the only Republican governor in 52 years, uh, Senator Wayne Allard, uh, when he won two elections for U.S. Senate as an underdog, especially in they both had competitive primaries. And since 2002, when Allard and Owens were were reelected, there have been 12 elections for governor and senator in Colorado, and 11 of them were voted were, were won by Democrats. Only Cory Gardner in 2014 won. And the common thread, one of the common threads with all those defeats is that we nominated candidates who were out of the mainstream many, in many ways or ran really bad campaigns. And then, it's, and then we get the, the Trump factor. And it's a bad combination. The party has never been this low, uh, and, and I, I don't, I can't, I can't go back all the way to 1876 
Um, the Democrats had the last time they had this position of dominance was in the 1930s during the New Deal and Franklin Roosevelt. So uh, that's just kind of where we are right now. So do you think this is a strategic problem for the GOP, an ideological problem, a disconnect with Colorado voters? Like, what's the what's the root of the problem? There is a disconnect. I mean, the state chair candidates, they they are oblivious to what the new reality is in Colorado, that um, it's always been tough. But this is it is really tough now. And then throw in the, the Trump factor and standing by Trump in terms of election conspiracies, does nothing to help Republicans. And if we elect a state chairman who is talking about, well, Trump got screwed, he he actually did win the election, it was stolen from him, and then they go down, then they start initiating a lawsuit to ban unaffiliated from voting in primaries. I mean, if that's the Republican agenda, of the or the agenda of the new Republican chairman, it will drive the party deeper into oblivion. And um, that's what I'm concerned about. This episode is brought to you by the Colorado Wine Board. Because the wine community here is like surprisingly robust. I mean, think about Bigsby's Folly and Infinite Monkey Theorem here in Denver alone. And there are urban wineries all across the Front Range. Then there's the Western Slope, Peonia, I mean, Palisade, hello, Palisade Wine, are you kidding me? It didn't used to really be a thing, but from what I hear, it's very much a thing now. There are more than 165 wineries across Colorado to explore, and they produce all sorts of wine that reflect our unique culture and climate. So finding a label that you're going to love is easy, no matter where your adventure takes you. Discover it for yourself and support local winemakers at coloradowine.com. That's coloradowine.com. So you yourself served as chair of the state party from 2007 to 2011. What do you think this next chair needs to do to to sort of turn this all around? Well, a couple of things. First of all, it won't be turned around. Even if we didn't, even if we elected a strong, responsible chairman, they wouldn't be able to accomplish a lot, frankly, in the next two years. Um, But what they could do is target some of those uh, legislative seats that we lost, that we shouldn't have lost and wouldn't have lost had it not been this Trump overhang. Uh, finding a a strong candidate and possibly in the 8th Congressional District. There are no statewide elections in 2024 other than president on the ticket. And so just begin the process of restoring some credibility to Republicans. And then uh, moving into the 2026 cycle when everything is on the ballot, uh, hopefully uh, being competitive then. But um, under any of these candidates for chair, I see nothing but maintaining the status quo at best, which is horrible. The Republican Party has so dramatically changed. Um, When I got elected chairman in 2007, I was elected unanimously. And uh, the state central committee, and that's the the entity, both parties have that entity that elects their state officers. It was full of people who I had worked with going far back for Senator Bill Armstrong in the 1980s, Senator Hank Brown in the 90s, and Allard and Owens in the late 90s and early 2000s. Today's Central Committee is dominated by people who came into the process either by the Tea Party in the early um, in back in 2009 and and beyond, and then they they kind of merged with the MAGA movement in uh, 2016. Uh, so 
that is that is the crowd that runs the party right now. What I'm finding interesting, though, about what you're saying is we're thinking about Tea Party involvement in 2009. Mm-hmm. That's in the midst of your role as chair, mm-hmm. and then um, the the MAGA group. And and you yourself have talked. You you voted for Trump twice up until 2020. What happened? In between, in between there, what's what is the thing like me as a Democrat? What am I not seeing or not understanding? Well, I, let me put it this way: Donald Trump lost the election. Period. I mean, he, neither he nor his uh, mega uh, fans um, acknowledge that, but he lost. If he had graciously invited the Bidens to the White House, like every other president defeated or just outgoing president has done, uh, inviting their their successors to the to the White House. If he had gone to the inauguration, like do you think George H. W. Bush wanted to go to to right. Bill Clinton's inauguration after getting defeated, or Jimmy Carter wanted to go to Ronald Reagan? I mean, but you do that because it's the continuity, of the process. It's a a long proud tradition going back, you know, to to the first presidential election. If he had done those things in the aftermath of his defeat. Frankly, uh, I w- I frankly would not be. I, I've never been a big fan of his personally. I, I think he's a repulsive character in his personality. But he would not. Uh, he would he would have restored some credibility to his to his uh, presidency, and he would have been in a, a strong position to, to frankly win the Republican nomination again. Now um, he might. I don't think he'll win the nomination, but he might. There, there's no way I can see him winning a national election if he is the nominee, and he has. Um, uh, essentially made the Republican Party totally unacceptable to in a state like Colorado to the, the unaffiliated to dominate here. I think there are a lot of unaffiliated who actually would would want to take a look at Republicans, but as long as the, the Republican Party is defined as being crazy by by this election conspiracy crap, we're not ne- we're they're they're never going to look at us. Um, they're just not. Yeah, I think that's a good I think that's a good point. I think that that's that division is sometimes hard for folks like me to see, you know, mm-hmm. that there are folks like you that are not on the crazy, not on the crazy side mm-hmm. of it, but are still more interested in conservative mm-hmm. policies and conservative values. Right. So what do you think Republicans need to do to start winning elections in Colorado like next election cycle? Well, what's interesting is we fielded, I think, a really strong ticket of candidates in 2022. Joe O'Day, who had never run for anything before, I think turned out to be an excellent candidate. I really do. In fact, I think uh, uh, I couldn't. Uh, he he ran a very strong campaign. Heidi Ganahl, un- unfortunately, she got she never could she never could deal with the election conspiracy crowd. She kept going back and forth, kind of giving them credibility. But when you look at who he had in those other offices, Pam Anderson for Secretary of State, just a nationally recognized election expert who was named by Time magazine as a defender what was the defender of the defender of the process or something i can't remember exactly but i mean um uh, john kellner the arapahoe county district attorney who was just a fantastic candidate for attorney general and then uh, uh, Lang science for state treasurer uh, barb kirkmeyer was a great candidate in the 8th congressional district there were seven state senate districts that were competitive and we fielded what i think were seven outstanding candidates they all went down and once again, it didn't make any difference how good a candidate you were, how good a campaign you were running. The unaffiliated voters said, no, nah, you're with that crazy party. We're not going to we're not going to look at you. We've got to continue to do that. We've got to continue to find strong candidates in, in races that are winnable and, and slowly come back. It's, it's just not going to happen overnight. 
So what is at stake then with this part, with this, this chair position we're looking at? Like, does it, how much does it really matter? Especially if it sounds like for someone like you, uh, the six candidates, nobody's going to be the person that you're looking for in a GOP leader. Well, first of all, in fact, this is one of the problems, um, because of federal and state finance, campaign finance laws, the, the the power of state parties, and this goes on all across the country, is severely less than what it used to be. And so, number one, no state chairman can has the power that a lot of people think they have, but it is an important role. Um, it, my concern about this crowd running for state chair is not they won't do anything good; it's that they're gonna they're gonna accentuate our problem. Uh, they, they've already signaled, like I said earlier in this in, in this program, their three priorities, you know, stolen elections, ban of unaffiliated voters and, and go back to Election Day voting. Those are three loser issues. They make us look like idiots. I would I would be fine with just kind of a mainstream conservative chairman who just did no harm and just did, did, did the things that they should be doing. But that's the trouble. Any one of these six. Uh, will will absolutely do more harm to this party. Do you have hope for your party, Dick? Well, it's going to be a long road back, and and part of it is um, uh, has to do with just the electorate. It's changed so much. The question is, can these unaffiliated voters who have rejected the party because of the stench of Donald Trump, will they ever take a look at a Republican candidate? I don't know. I am given some hope. It's, I'm about to show my age, so. I got involved in politics for the first time as 19-year-old college freshman in 1974 in the aftermath of Watergate. And believe me, it was no fun to be a Republican in, the, in Watergate. I was going to say, not a great time for Republicans. It wasn't. It wasn't. In fact, um, there were, I was kind of a, a lone, lone wolf uh, in, among uh, anybody under 20 years old back in that era. But I know this too. Richard Nixon, at, when he resigned the presidency, and after we did so poorly in 72, 74, actually, he, he got on Air Force One and they flew him to California to San Clemente and he was never heard from again. I mean, eventually he started writing books again and kind of rehabilitated his image. But the important thing is he exited the stage and it gave the Republican Party the ability to recreate itself. Here in Colorado in 78, four years after that 74 debacle, a young congressman, my old boss who I worked for for nine years, Bill Armstrong, unseated the Democratic incumbent. Senator Armstrong kind of created the new post-Watergate Republican Party, which really was for probably 24 years kind of dominated the Republican Party. In 1980, we elected Ronald Reagan as president. And it was the Reagan presidency that really moved Colorado Republicans out of the Watergate era. I mentioned that because that's what we're political parties are defined by candidates and elected officials. And so uh, who knows what will happen in this presidential election? I th I'm optimistic that a Republican can be elected president if Republicans can start gradually coming back in Colorado. But it's a long road back here in Colorado. It really is. And I, it's just going to take time. And Trump has got to exit the stage. If he's the nominee again, you can just I mean, just shut it down. <laughs> just forget it. Yeah. Well, Dick Adams, thank you so much. This was really insightful. Well, I hope it was. <laughs> so I enjoyed doing it. So thank you. And here's what else Denverites are talking about. Safe outdoor spaces. Mayor Michael Hancock authorized these outdoor camping sites for people experiencing homelessness as an emergency measure early in the pandemic. Now it looks like he's working to make them a permanent fixture in our city. While the safe outdoor spaces have sparked controversies in various neighborhoods, the program seems to have been largely popular, 
and useful. According to the Denver Post, of the 515 people who have used them for temporary shelter since late 2020, more than 180 people have since moved into long-term housing. City Council still has to approve the proposal to make the authorization permanent, but they approved an additional $7.5 million for the program last week. So the permanent authorization is expected to pass in early June. And finally, we're hiring. CityCast Denver is looking for a senior account executive to join the new revenue team that will support this show. And we're also looking for a versatile creative audio producer to join the team. If you love podcasting and care deeply about the news, culture, and politics of Denver, we'd love to hear from you. You'll find a link to both career openings in the show notes. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell controversial GOP chair candidate Tina Peters about us. Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter, Hey Denver, by texting Denver to 66866. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See you later. And finally, we're hiring. Oh, sorry, I bumped my mic. What? Okay. Finally, the noise you never want to hear on this podcast. Okay.